It's your hostess with the mostest, colleague in medicine, coach in life, Dr. freaking Aaron Wiseman. And today we are talking about chronic pain. Dun, dun, dun. Don't you feel like sometimes when you have people show up on your schedule or you get that phone call from that one person who you haven't been able to figure out what's going on with them and you're like, because <sighs> you yourself are so frustrated and you know they are frustrated and you just, you don't have all the answers. Well... I'm bringing an expert in. Her name is Dr. Andrea Moore. Not only is she an amazing doctor of physical therapy, an orthopedic certified specialist, a functional nutritionist therapist, a life coach. She's also a patriarchy and perfectionist smasher and one of my BFFs. She's got years of education, self-healing, and working with hundreds, if not thousands of women on their own chronic pain. And let me tell you, she's got an amazing story herself. She takes the woo, slathers it with a whole bunch of science, and makes it make sense. So enjoy our conversation today about chronic pain. Welcome to the podcast, my fellow friend for a long, long time, and doctor on the other side of the spectrum, Dr. Andrea Moore. It's so great to have you here with me today. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. All right. I know all about you because, like I said, we've been like BFFs for a long time, but tell the people out in podcasting world a little bit about yourself and the magic you're putting into the world. Yes. I am Dr. Andrea Moore, and I love how you said the other side of the spectrum. I am a doctor of physical therapy. And I am a chronic pain specialist and I work with high achieving women who are struggling with chronic pain and the chronic pain is stopping them from, or getting in the way of their mission in the world and living their life and doing what they want. And yeah, my journey has been one of the same, like I'm sure so many people's (laughs) and I have gotten into this work over a decade of working with chronic pain. My work has evolved and has incorporated many different modalities and practices to get to where it is now to really help women heal by going inwards and getting in touch with their bodies versus focusing on like external fixes and quick fixes. Absolutely. And we met in... I think it was like 2016, 2017 in a coaching group. And I was so excited because I was like, thank God, another healthcare provider here with me. (laughs) And we both were still like trying to figure out and like muddling through, like we knew we wanted to help people in different ways because we had even talked about that. Me on the family medicine Mm -hmm. side, you on the physical therapy side, as far as like, we both had seen those people who come into clinic and like have the saddest stories, but yet like everything we try doesn't work until we started learning about coaching and mindset work. And then we like both implemented that into our professional lives and started to see some changes. So it's been a real great journey to sit back and watch you like find your identity in the space. And I remember in that coaching group when you like decided that you were going to actually claim that you're a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Oh my gosh. I That's so funny because now it comes so naturally to me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because we all have that like imposter syndrome. I remember that Mm -hmm. conversation you had and you're like, what do you think about this? And I was like, I think you're fine. Just tell them what you are and tell them what you know, because you are an expert on chronic. I mean, that's what you've been doing for your whole career. It is. It is. Yes. (laughs) And so 
one, I invited you here because I wanted to see your lovely face and talk with you. But two, I wanted to talk about what you really specialize in, which is the like hidden chronic pain that so many high achieving alpha females are living with on a daily basis. So talk about why chronic pain for your life that has become your mission. Yeah. I mean, I think chronic pain chose me, right? Like I struggled with chronic pain myself. And then when I started out as a physical therapist, it was like, I just magnetized these women with chronic pain. And it was funny because I had such imposter syndrome as a, as a physical therapist for so long. Cause I felt like all my colleagues were like, Oh, I, you know, discharged another person. Oh, this person was so easy. Oh, I did this technique. And I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Why am I, why am I not helping anyone? And it's because then like, when we started looking at my caseload, it was like, wow, I have all these incredibly complex cases. And Really one from the get-go, I was lucky enough to be in a residency program right out of school that really emphasized chronic pain because we weren't, I mean, we talked about it in physical therapy school, but not nearly to the extent it needed to be. So it was something that I very early learned that it needed to be addressed differently. And I myself had struggled with chronic pain and couldn't find anyone to help me. So it didn't feel right to be like, oh, you know, the the traditional approach, sorry, it's in your head. Like there's nothing else we can do. I'm like, no, like I, I cannot give up on these women. Like I just really felt like I could help them, but I was really learning how to help them alongside both helping myself and in treating them. And I had massive success was ultimately it by using some non-traditional methods. Yeah. So talk about your journey with that. If you don't care to share about like your own personal chronic pain journey and how that intersected with your practice, and then I'll go next. Yeah. Oh my, yeah. I feel like I have to keep it because I'm like, I could talk like an hour about my journey. But so I always had chronic pain as a kid. Like my sister remembers me complaining about my joints hurting and things like that. And it was to the point where I didn't know it wasn't normal. And it was only in seeing, you know, because I had a few more traditional therapy people in my schedule, of course, but it's like, I'd be like, oh, does anything else hurt? And they're like, nope. And I'm like, just your knee hurts. Like what? what? Like, how is this possible? Like, there's just one joint on your body that hurts. Like there have to be other things that hurt. And so that was kind of how I realized that what I was experiencing wasn't normal because I had just blown through it my whole life. My parents, I have a dad who's a doctor, my mom's a dentist in the medical field. So they just blew it off, obviously. (laughs) And so, and it started to get in the way of my life though, kind of at all at the same time of like, I couldn't exercise as much. Like even, even through physical therapy school, it was hard for me to sit in class because like my back and hips would hurt so badly. It was so distracting. And then after a couple of years of practicing, I ended up getting in a really bad car accident. So what I ended up with was post-concussive syndrome. And it was, well, it wasn't necessarily like pain. It was this persistent chronic symptoms that the medical field was not addressing and was basically like, "Mm, sorry, we can, we have tests to show something's wrong with you, but nothing you can do. (laughs) And this has to be so frustrating as a healthcare (laughs) provider. I know that's so frustrating because you're like, I know the shit here and I know I'm not making this up, but I also know that you're right. Yeah. Well, so I actually kind of refused to believe they were right. And I pursued my own thing and I got treatment ultimately, like in the more alternative world, because, and and it's funny because it's not even alternative. Like I like was getting things like vision therapy, things that like you could see on tests. They just weren't testing me for those things. So anyways, in my own journey, I also came across a lot of issues with mindset and perfectionism. Like it was well before any of this even was on my radar, like all through high school, college and whatnot, I had this obsession with fixing my brain because I was like, something is wrong with my brain. 
something is wrong with me. And this mindset finally kind of came to like a, I don't know, exploded in my face after my concussion, because it was very much getting in the way of living my life because I was like, I'm not fully myself. I can't access my brain fully. And how can I live? Right. Like it became very problematic in that I did not know how to live if I could not get back to where I thought I was. And I did not know how to come to terms with that. So in that journey, where is very similar to what people have with chronic pain too, is like, how do I accept where I am without giving up on life? I got into a lot of trauma healing work, a lot of nervous system work and realized that there was this entire untapped area that I hadn't even delved into with my patients or myself. And in tapping into that, I discovered massive amounts and was able to heal not only myself. I mean, I, the term heal, I don't love, it's a very vague, whatever term, but like also help my patients and clients now one, shift their relationship with their bodies, with themselves to not needing to be perfect and see that they are worthy and deserving exactly as they are. But the whole ironic part is in that process, their pain also went away. <laughs> so I was like, oh, there's something here. So we just really, I just really kept exploring this message of like pain is a message that our body is trying to send us. It's not something to be masked. It's not something to be fixed. It's not something to be, you know, like ignored or blown through. And it is just our nervous system trying to send a message and some cool stuff comes up when you start listening in. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a big part of my journey has been like stopping to compartmentalize and like yes. feel your feels. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> when I was going through burnout, I was numb except when I was like extre- on the extremes. And so that's what my journey has been the last eight years is like no more black or white but really like starting to meddle into the gray. And I think that is kind of what you're saying with pain is a message. It's neither good nor bad. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just gray. And, and what is the gray to you? What, where is the gray coming from? And I think that whole acceptance without yeah. giving up is so important. So I've shifted a lot of my faith beliefs and, you know, part of Buddhism is mm-hmm. just accepting what is and not judging it, not trying to fix it, but just like it is what it is. For instance, like (laughs) lately, so I work in an FQHC with a lower socioeconomic group. And so our no-shows are horrendous at times. So I just tell my staff, I'm like, appointment times are suggestions. It is what it is. And they laugh at me about it. But it's so true because if you get wrapped up in people being late or not showing up, like who is that really hurting? Yourself. It pisses yourself off, makes me have headaches. Then I go home grouchy. And that is the opposite of what I want to be. And so I love how your message is. I love how much exploration that you're doing. I love that you are giving us STEM-minded people the opportunity to say, like, but what else could this be? And using it in alternative ways. Yes, absolutely. And I love what you said about the gray because that is such a – whether somebody identifies as a perfectionist or not. And I, you know, use the term kind of as a vague term as well of like high achieving, you know, growth mindset, women, things like that, who are really like it, when it gets stuck in the black and white is when it becomes an issue. Nothing's wrong with being growth minded. Nothing's wrong with being mission driven. Like, hell yes. Like I support that. And it becomes a problem when we get stuck right in any one line of thinking. 
And so learning to be in the gray is so important because if you are only able to show up at your best on a pain-free day, then that limits your life. Your life starts to shrink. And I want to talk about, okay, if I have these like three main pieces that I like to explore with people. And so one is just, if you imagine like a, a, a sphere, a bubble, like almost like a Venn diagram here, right? One is just what, what are you doing in your life? Like what are the daily actions you are taking? things that are happening. Okay. So that's one of them. The second one is what actions are aligned with whatever you want to call it, whether you want to call it the best version of yourself, your authentic self, your truth, you know, whatever term resonates, doesn't matter. So it's like, what actions are aligned with that? And then the third one is like your nervous system's capacity and skill. So what often ends up happening is for every client who's coming in, I'm looking at these three places and I'm looking where they overlap and where they don't overlap. And you have differences in everybody. So chronic pain ultimately to me is a symptom and what is creating it can be different. It needs to be treated uniquely, obviously for the person at hand. So let's say you have somebody who has a massive, I actually have a great client like this, who's such a good example, her alignment and like her knowledge of what is like her mission in this world and what she was meant to do is like, it's like spot on. And the actions she takes are so overlapped with that. Okay. So it's like from anyone from the outside in, you'd be like, you're living your dream life. Like you are doing what you're meant to doing. And she has a massive amount of pain because her nervous system skill and capacity, like that bubble is very small. There's no overlap. Doing what she was meant to do in this world is actually perceived as a threat to her nervous system. So what we're working on is building up her nervous system skill, her nervous what her nervous system is perceiving as safety in this world. So that way we can get more overlap. Does that does that follow here? <laughs> is that some yeah, like, it makes yeah. sense. Like how I would boil it down is like. I'll just take myself as the avatar from the outside looks like kicking ass, taking names, Mm -hmm. family physician, three kids, online business, all the fucking things. But my great ability, which is also my pathologic skill of compartmentalizing and like literally not feeling my body. (laughs) Like literally when I because for years I talk about this all the time. I, I, my bladder can hold over a liter of mm-hmm. urine. And I know this mm-hmm. because I've measured yeah. it sometimes. But I had gotten so good at like tuning out that bladder spasm pain yeah. that you need to urinate that because I had to do all the other things. I think that's what you're talking about with the capacity and skill, like not, not working with your nervous system, but almost seeing it as the enemy and like fighting. Yes. It. Yes. In order to beat your hashtag best life appearance. Yeah. And what I would say too, is I would say for that description, again, it can, there's, there's no perfect, you know, bubbles here, but like, I would say that also aligns of like, if you're living your like true alignment, I'd imagine for what I would consider is a kind of has to be in everybody's bubble of what's true alignment. it, It is the connection with your body. So I would say for you, like, expanding that bubble out or expanding the ability to do that. And for where we then run into sometimes like, again, we have a multi-layered approach is for many women being connected with their body is perceived by the nervous system as inherently unsafe. It's like we're expanding both. And I feel like I should back up even more to like 
Because culturally, we have been conditioned that your body is the enemy. You can't trust your body, especially as professional women. You know, it's like we need to be replicated men because you cannot cry. You can't be emotional. You can't connect too much with patients. You can't show up feminine Mm -hmm. in a masculine workplace because, again, it's not safe. 100%. I was literally told in my residency that I needed to stop showing so much emotion and that I should never emotionally react to anything a patient is telling me that I have to have stonewall face and got in trouble, like literally got in trouble all the time at work for showing too much emotion in relation to my patients. Here's an example for me is, you know, I was pregnant twice during Mm -hmm. residency and I went to so much measure to hide said pregnancy both physically my bump, Mm -hmm. but also any symptoms that I was having to it because of that exact same thing. I didn't want to be perceived as weak. I didn't want to be perceived as what the fuck was she thinking? You know, having children and like her body being naturally what it's doing. You know, this is serious. This is medical education. And so, I mean, I went to the extremes with um, hiding IV bags under my white coat, you know, pretty much keeping a pharmacy in my pockets so that I could, like, keep going, keep going, keep going. Because, like, once again, it wasn't safe to be in a female body. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That's, like, what a, like, talk about the epitome example of that. And and I want to back up, too, to anyone listening is because I feel like I didn't establish like chronic pain, ultimately, like the, like the most recent up-to-date neuroscience behind chronic pain is that is it a, it is a sensitization of the nervous system. It is the body is perceiving a threat almost always with chronic pain. And I say almost always, cause there's always exceptions, right? Whatever, if there was an injury, it's healed. And if it has been more than six months, and again, there's always exceptions you can come up with here, but like, that's like, they were talking about the person who's like, I don't see anything wrong on your image, but it can even apply to people who there is shit wrong with their image. You're like, right. It's whatever the healing was going to happen has happened. And ultimately there's people who present with all kinds of stuff on their image and like 50% of people with no pain have degenerative joint disease, have, you know, herniated discs, have all kinds of stuff show up on their image and they don't have pain. And the follow-up there's 10, 15 year follow-ups of these people. They don't go on to have chronic pain. They're no more, or they're even episode of back pain. They're no more likely than anybody else to have pain. So we're talking about like, it doesn't match up. Right. And that is because the nervous system is sensitized to something. So ultimately there are no pain receptors in the body. They don't exist. We have stretch receptors. We have motion receptors. We have temperature receptors. We have stress receptors and inflammation receptors and thousands of other receptors. And it is when that message is getting up to the brain and is either giving like, there's almost like too much of the message. You have like an overabundance of one type of message or it's messages getting through that should have been gated at the spinal cord. That is when the brain is taking it like, oh my God, there's motion happening at my ankle. This could be dangerous. And it's perceiving it as threat. It's now like combining it with memories, with stories, with where you are, with Aunt Sally who hurt her ankle one time. And it's like, ankle motion is bad, right? And it's sending it back out as pain when there is no actual physical threat. It's just the, the brain is perceiving threat when there is no threat. 
So the work is always about desensitizing the nervous system. And for women and what you said about being in a female body and it being inherently unsafe, what happens is, is like you showing up at work and being like, oh, I'm going to be in touch with my body and say, you know what, actually I need a break every hour because I'm pregnant and that's what I need. That is a threat, right? And so now we are literally going against our bodies and at war with our bodies because saying what we need is a threat because it has like society has put that on us. That's what is what we are soaked in. And a lot of my work also comes from like this uh, place because I studied under um, Dr. Valerie Rain and her partner under who wrote the book, Patriarchy Stress Disorder. And it's really examining these societal pieces that have led to our nervous system holding on to threat. And the cool thing is, is we can change it. Our nervous systems are malleable. Neuroplasticity, baby. (laughs) At the finest. And I, I love sitting down having these conversations with you because, you know, there's so many people who are like super woo on the internet and I like, yeah. just, I can't do it. But I know that you are with me on the scientific level mm-hmm. and on the training level when it comes to working through this. You know, my own journey has been one, as you were talking, I was thinking back, I didn't even think about it. I was the high school student that had like headache. I had mm-hmm. really bad mono. And then after that, they tagged me with like chronic fatigue syndrome, but I wasn't going to let that stop me. Like I was going to keep going. Do you remember the medicine Vioxx? It was an inset oh, that they I, pulled. Oh, from I, the can, I, have, I, I was have on Vioxx. about that. Yeah. <laughs> so I was, I remember being on it and like getting the samples from my family medicine doc, you know, cause I just, they couldn't yeah. figure out like, and it, it's, and I had horrible periods, like two tampons, multiple, yeah. pa- like lots. Of, and so like, as you were talking about being a kid, I hadn't even related that to my own story, but I'm like, holy shit, mine went back. I was saying, you know, my pain issues probably started in med school and, and I ignored them until I hit burnout mm-hmm. in 2014. But with your story, Andrea, I think mine started a lot sooner, but it wasn't until I hit burnout in 2014 when literally everything was burning ar- down around me, even though from the outside, people thought it looked mm-hmm. good. you know. And I made all those changes in my life. You were a part of those. You saw me changing my practice and like starting to hashtag live my best life. And I was doing all the external things. You know, I quit the place I was burned out. I was working less hours. I was coaching, you know, being around my family more. But my symptoms didn't improve. And in fact, they got worse. Yep. And so at that point in my life, I I did start to seek out alternative because I had went to mm-hmm. my doctor, got the like TSH and the yeah. like typical blood work, <laughs> the room workup, yeah. the anti- autoimmune workup and all that. You know that because you have those people. Co- and like as science women, like we want to make sure oh, there's gosh, not like please, something. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Something with a name yes. that we can say, okay, this makes sense. But for me, like nothing came up, like everything was stone cold normal. And it was such a sad time in my life because I was like, then what the fuck do I yep. do? And so I, I did some of the things that you talked about. I did like some some like alternative therapies I did. I tried like acupuncture. I did Reiki with a good friend and like those would help like a little bit, but it still like wasn't meeting the mark. And you know, so starting this new job, which I've talked about on the podcast a lot here about how this has really shifted a lot of my things. It was one day while I was in my new office and I like had an epiphany of like, 
why do I get to prescribe medications that help other people, but I won't accept those things, same things for myself? I would not take like the diagnosis of chronic pain mm-hmm. syndrome or, you know, like myalgias. Uns- I just didn't want those on my chart. And I was like, what is going on? And it was my ego. I finally got into the place where I had to accept like, Erin, you're human too. It's okay to get help. And so for me, actually, in the last year, I established with a a physician, an MD, and like really just got honest with her and said, maybe I do need to start actual medication rather than like skirting around and trying everything else in combination Mm -hmm. with some therapy and coaching. That's So I'm huge about, I think it's got to be both therapy and coach, or at least you've got to do some trauma work with coaching. Yes. (laughs) It's huge. And oh my God. Oh my God, it's so much better. And then these other things like you're talking about, learning acceptance without like submission or giving Mm -hmm. up, realizing that you can show up in your best self in a broken healthcare system. I think that's something we all have to start to like give ourselves some more self-compassion around is you are doing the best you can. Right now, healthcare fucking sucks. But guess what? You are showing up the best that you can and you are doing the best that you can in the moment. And that's translated to me the same thing for my body. Like you are showing up the best you can today, Erin. And if the best you've got is a five, girl, you be a five. Yes. Oh, I love that. And I think what you shared, it's just about putting your ego at the door is just so powerful because yeah, like I think it's, I just had a consult yesterday with someone who was so like, she was like, yeah, and I, I am on meds right now. And I'm like, good. Like it's please. Yeah. They, they exist for a reason. And it's always, to me, it's always a both. And because the reality is, and especially anybody listening to this knows more than anyone, the unfortunate reality is some of these meds, they stop working after a while for chronic pain. They aren't the best long-term solution, but to me, they can be one of the most amazing bridges of like getting to a point where you can feel good enough to actually dive into therapy and trauma work and coaching because those things, and I want to speak more to that, those things take a lot. And I think that is what is not acknowledged enough is like that type of inner work is fucking hard. And you have to be, it is like the, I don't know, to me, this is like one of the harshest realities is like, you have to have a certain level of privilege and a certain level of like stability-ish enough to go into that type of work. And if those things aren't like, right, like if you need medication to get to that point, like, hell yes. Like, absolutely. Yeah, because no, no healing comes in survival mode. No, it can't. It's kind of this, like, to me, it's always this ebb and flow back and forth because I mean, most of my clients are coming to me in survival mode, but the harsh reality is most of my clients are women who they were on meds or they, and it's like, they weren't working. Like they have now exhausted all their medication options. So this is where I think it's, if we can get people who need the meds to be on meds and get them into therapy, right? Like, okay, as like, now you've been on it for a couple months, like things have stabilized and then get them into like trauma informed pain specialist specific type of support to me, that is like the magic combination because I think where we go wrong is like, okay, meds have stabilized enough. And then it's like, we still are skating on by and then it will get to a point where they stop working. And then that's when people can feel totally hopeless. Lost. Yeah. And hopeless. Mm -hmm. Cause like 
we were talking about this before the recording. Fibromyalgia is not a provider fixing situation. Yeah. It is a patient management disease. And that's what I talk to a lot of my patients about because I am also a uh, magnet for folks like this, which is fine. Like, yeah. cause I can sit down and have these conversations, but like you said, it's, it's so individualized. And I think as doctors, what we have to remind ourselves is like, we maybe have a little piece of the puzzle and we need to empower our, our patients, our clients so that they know that they have more options because that's the worst places to find people when they are empty on hope. Yes. And, and I know you have, obviously I'm sure your audience is a phenomenal audience, right? Like, so I say this, like, well, they're yeah, I, I lady doctors. and like, for me, it's like, it is, it is so hard when I have someone coming in and it's like half of the work is undoing what the medical system has told them of, sorry, nothing you can do. It's in your head. This is, or like, and I think even when you're talking about it from, <laughs> I tell people, I'm like, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you can, yes, I was going to say, <laughs> I, I tell, this is the, the thing that I like use all the time is if your male doctor tells you it's in your head, you can kick him in the balls and be like, this is in your head too, bitch. Like it is in your head. You're right. But people obviously, right. Like they take that to mean something else, but yes. And pain ultimately is 100% created in the brain. Like, yes, absolutely. And so I want to translate that over to us. Yeah. Because more and more research is coming out that a lot of us female physicians are hiding our chronic pain issues in the closet. Mm -hmm. And and I want to be one of those that is say, like, I'll raise the flag. Like, I, I am one of those who hid it for a long time until, you know, finally set my ego aside and said, like, enough is enough. I get to be a human. I get to experience the same things that my patients get to have those experiences, those trial and error, those days off in FNLA, if it needs to be utilized. Yes. And so can you speak to that? Cause I know that you do see very high mm -hmm. achieving professional women, like doctors and lawyers yep. and very VIP yes. type people who come to you because sometimes they don't want to be found mm -hmm. out by the medical system. Oh, 100%. I would say that's that's very, very common. And I think one by nature, right? Anyone attracted to any of those fields, especially doctors, right? You are somebody who cares deeply about others. And often because of the nature of the medical system have not, and, and it's not even just the medical system, because I see this outside, like, right. I see this in my, I have a lot of life coach clients, for instance, it's like, even in people who have, and I, I want to come back to you kind of as an example of this, Aaron, like people who are living the life, like living the dream life are struggling with this. And I think again, with life coaches, it's like, they want to hide it. They're so embarrassed that they have chronic pain because they're like, oh my gosh, like I'm supposed to be helping people. And I have this problem. And I want to go back to what you, if you don't, do you mind me kind of using your story a little bit as a, yeah, use a hundred percent. You said something that I think is is incredibly common of when I started self-care and making these changes for myself, things got worse. And oh my gosh, this is so incredibly common. And it makes us feel like, what the heck? I'm doing everything right. And things aren't getting better. Things are even getting worse. And this is where that, that nervous system capacity piece comes in. And this is where I go back into 
a lot of, this is where the trauma informed perspective. And I don't even love the word. I could, I have an entire podcast that is like dedicated to me ranting on the word trauma because I feel like it's misused a lot. (laughs) So when I'm saying trauma, I want to say I'm I'm referencing it in this case, a little bit more of like these, these micro things that have happened in our life. And it could, like a lot of my clients do have like big T trauma as well, but I'm really referring to these like little traumas that happen, both from just things that society have told us ways are, you know, our parents were doing their best, but they weren't meeting our needs and our nervous system wasn't, it wasn't safe to have its full expression. And so like, even just using my own life as an example, right? Like my parents very much, they're like Eastern European immigrants. It's like, I fell down. They're like, get up, you're fine. Right. And it's like, in the scheme of things, right? That's not abuse. That's not any, they weren't doing anything wrong, but it starts to teach the nervous system. This is one way of how we lose this connection with ourselves because it's like, as a child, you're hurting, but the adult, the person who is in charge of your care is telling you you're not hurting, that you're fine. It's a very confusing message. And like before the age of seven, these messages aren't ingrained in at a logical place. So as adults, we can look back and be like, yeah, okay, but I know that wasn't the case, right? But this is actually embedded into our nervous system. And we need to be like unearthing it through this like trauma-informed care, because I can tell you it plays into chronic pain more than most people are aware. So often then this comes back, let's full circle to you and tell me if I, sometimes I know I like make big leaps. So let me know if I'm missing connections here, but like there's connections in my head. I just need to say them out loud sometimes, but um, or I forget to say them out loud. But when we come back to you all of a sudden taking care of yourself, if as a kid, you kind of standing up for yourself, taking care of yourself, speaking up for your needs, like even things like, oh, I'm tired. If it's like, no, 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 you got to keep going at it, keep working or keep doing things or whatever the message was in your family, it could be a million messages. Your nervous system is like, oh, this is a threat because the people I'm relying on for food and shelter don't want me really connecting with myself. And again, all mostly unconsciously, not like your parents were saying this, right? Not like they meant that. If you told them that, they would have been like, no, of course, that's not what we meant for most of them. I mean, obviously, again, there are cases where there is trauma and abuse, and that's very obvious. But a lot of it's this innocuous place where a lot of women don't even allow themselves to see that they've had these experiences in in their life. But it makes it so then all of a sudden, we're stepping into our own power, stepping into our own self-care the nervous system is like this child part of your nervous system is waking up and is like, this is a threat. And it's starting to take over. And what we need to do is actually let that part of our nervous system know that we're no longer a child. We are now an adult. It is now safe. We need to update it to our current level of safety that we have access to. And, And that is done. It is both like Once you get into that work, almost easy and you can teach people to do, and it can be incredibly challenging and painful to move into. And ultimately, a lot of times you need another nervous system helping you through that process. And that is where like the one-on-one work or group coaching or whatever container it's in is so helpful. And it's never about, I think a lot of especially high achieving women, especially physicians and things like that, when it comes to this more like childhood stuff and trauma stuff, there's a lot of woo and things on the internet that make it sound really like, I don't know, not scientific when really there's actually like a massive amount of research that supports this. And when you experience it for yourself, you're like, oh shit, this works. Like this works amazingly well. And again, there's massive amounts of research that do support it. 
And we don't like allow ourselves to have that. Like I know for me, I, it took me a while to move into that side because I thought it was like BS. And when I just finally allowed myself to be like, yeah, I grew up privileged. I grew up with parents who I know loved me, but definitely, you know, did things in a little bit of a different way. I mean, like most parents, right? Like they were doing their best, but I mean, they took to spanking and hitting and a lot of like pretty hardcore stuff. But at the end of the day, I was fed, I was clothed. They did love me. They did it out of love. Like they provided for me. We went on vacations, right? Like we had all this, I had a great childhood. These things impacted my nervous system. And so being able to see it from this place of like, oh, I just need to go back and give my little girl the love and attention she needs, not from a place of like victim mentality, not from a place of like, woe is me, or now I need to separate from my parents or any of it. Like I have a great relationship with my parents. None of them, like my parents don't even know I'm doing this work, right? Like all this healing can happen like in a coaching container, if that makes sense. So sorry, that was like a very long tangent. But <laughs> no, but I, I think it's a really great example, Andrea, of that I want to give my audience out there to say, if this is you, like this has been me, you're not alone. There is hope and there are things that are scientifically based, yeah. research based that are working you're not destined to be on narcotics, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you're not going to lose your career. Yeah. You're not going to use your reputation. And yet you can come out on the other side and be so much better. So talk a little bit about your podcast. And because, I mean, I think it's phenomenal. I want people to check it out as well and all the work that you're doing. Yeah. So I have a podcast called the Unweaving Chronic Pain Podcast. So you can definitely check it out and hear me rant on stuff more. <laughs> Um, if you've liked this so far, um, but I really go into, I have a couple episodes too, especially for the doctors on board, which I'm not sure uh, other people appreciate this much where I kind of dive a lot more into the neuroscience and some of the earlier episodes early, early, very early on. So if you just want to hear more about that and how perfectionism is playing a role in chronic pain and literally like perfectionism and like that, that characteristic of black and white thinking like that alone can be enough to sensitize a nervous system and set it up for chronic pain. No, that's not the case for everybody with chronic pain, but like that is enough. So if you want to hear me speak more to that, again, check out some of those earlier episodes or just, you know, scroll through the titles and see. And I am also my, I probably will have a wait list if anybody, it depends on when you, when you catch me, but I do have one-on-ones available and sign up for, like, I have free pain strategy sessions. Like I love talking to people. I love hearing your story, like never any pressure to even work with me or, you know, do anything, but like, I love, especially other healthcare professionals. So like, please don't hesitate. If you're just like, there's anything you just wanted to ask me questions about that, something that you heard, or you want to dive into your own story and you aren't interested in working with me, like sign up for that session. But like, no, like you are totally welcome to come and even like ask me like a patient question on one of those sessions. Like seriously, like I love talking to other healthcare practitioners. So don't hesitate to do that. And then, um, you can follow me on Instagram at Dr. Andrea Moore. It's D-R-A-N-D-R-E-A-M-O-O-R-E. I hope that'll be in the show notes, but yes. Will. Okay. And um, the other thing I have right now is I am actually developing a more of a self-paced course that is really going through how to use this work, like really gaining, like, again, a lot of things that I teach is like this nervous system capacity to be in the gray, to be with hard emotions, because oftentimes just being with our emotions is inherently unsafe. So if you know that you're someone who like 
it doesn't feel safe to cry. It doesn't feel safe to stand up for yourself, to set boundaries, to, to be in the gray, to be in the unknown and the uncertainty. If you're like, I don't know what's going to happen. And that gives you all kinds of anxiety and um, things like that. Like that is all that kind of difficulty of being in discomfort, right? Being in this, I don't know, area. And so really this course is walking you through how to be with that and then doing it from a very chronic pain perspective of then learning to listen to your body, listen to your pain, listen to what message it's sending and begin to heal that and start to like rewire your nervous system in the process of that. Because again, neuroplasticity, we can teach our nervous systems that like women can't, right? Back in 1980, women couldn't even open a bank account. We can, so no kidding, it's not safe for our nervous system to hold money and to be autonomous, right? So we just need to update our nervous system to be like, actually it is safe. And that's more than just mindset work because mindset work is at a very cerebral level. We have to be affecting the autonomic nervous system. And if we're not doing that often, that's when mindset work feels like it's like you're, you're hitting a brick wall. When mindset work works, it works. Like you're like, yep, I love that new thought. I've taken it in. It feels great in my body. But if you're like running into that, like you're like, oh, I want to believe that thought. It sounds great, but it feels so icky. Or like you have this like visceral reaction to it. That's your autonomic nervous system being like, that does not feel safe. And the more you pound that down or the more you try to force yourself to believe it or like toxic positivity yourself into trying to believe that thought, the more your nervous system is going to feel like you are not listening to it, that you're not seeing the threat and it's going to scream louder. It's like a toddler who's saying, mom, 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 right? If you don't stop and get down its level and be like, what is it, baby? Like, what do you need with love and compassion? They will keep screaming at you. They don't get quieter. Yes. <laughs> no. And then they they start tearing things up and hitting their brother. Exactly. And, yes, right. And reacting more. So <laughs> it's really about getting on your nervous system's level. And I think where people hear that, they think it means succumbing to your nervous system or that you have to do what it says. No, do we, you don't do what our toddler says, right? I mean, unless it sounds good. If you like the message, sure you can. But it's if your toddler's like, mom, I want to go climb on the roof. You're not like, oh yes, baby, of course, anything you want, right? That's not how we respond to our nervous systems. We are the adult. We are in charge. We, we listen to it. We'd be like, oh, I hear you really want to climb on a roof. That sounds really fun. We're not going to do that today, baby. Like that's not safe, right? Like we can be in a collaborative conversation with our nervous system. We do not let it run the show though. We do not want our fight or flight response running the show. That's the huge thing is getting into that sympathetic, like you said, fight or flight and not numbing it away, not shoving it in a closet, but like with love and compassion being like, I hear you, I see you, but we are okay now. Yeah. yeah. And it's all about, does it accept the message? Because sometimes you say that and you're like, oh, it feels so good. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's like, we're not okay. And then you're like, okay, let's talk more. Like what, you know? What doesn't feel okay? What's okay? Let's explore. And that's been the really cool thing for me, this level of therapy, not just the like Freudian process and get through, but actually getting into that. And I know that's exactly what you're doing. So Mm -hmm. everybody check out Dr. Andrea Moore. We'll have all the links in the show note. Her website is drandreamore.com. Her podcast is Unweaving Chronic Pain. Tell her that Aaron sent you when you pop over there because- 
being one of my, and she's local. She's in Kentucky. She just crossed the river from me. So, you know, we got to represent the Midwest here. Andrea, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much also for your friendship. It has meant the world to me. And the badass in me honors the badass in you, friend. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much for having me. friend, if you think you're burned out, you probably are. But I've got some good news for you. Head on over to burntouttobadass.com where you can get a CME course. That's right. CME credits could get yourself out of a place of burnout and back to being a total and absolute badass. You'll go through 12 different modules. You'll get to chitty chat with me on the backside and have lots of fun exercises and thought work to do to help you move from a place of just surviving to absolute thriving. So far, we've had many physicians go through the program and they absolutely love it. One of those docs the other day even mentioned to me that she went back and recently did the report card exercise. And you know the wheel of life is in there. If you followed me for half a second, it's definitely one of my top exercises. But anyway, before I give all the details away, go over to burntouttobadass.com and check out the self-paced course same title, Burnt Out to Badass, and get you some CME hours today. Thanks so much, Andrea, for coming on the podcast. Again, my friends, if you are one of the silent sufferers like I have been with chronic pain, no more. We are standing up together, and like her podcast name, we are unweaving chronic pain together. So if you yourself need to get a hold of Andrea and talk with her, go to her website, drandreamore.com. If you have some questions about some patients with some chronic pain, she's always up for, you know, virtual consult to talk about that sort of thing. And remember, you can show up in your best, even in a broken system, even in a hurting body, even in a shitty situation. It doesn't define you. You are amazing. And your life, your calling, your pulse matters.
Kids.